Hey, architecture firm owners and emerging leaders, get ready for unparalleled insight into the development of a world-class architecture firm and a worldwide organization driving the digital transformation of the design and construction industry with Build Smart, the podcast that's changing how our profession operates. We share the incredible stories behind innovation in the building industry with my friend and co-host, Patrick McLaney, FAIA, former CEO of the international architecture firm, HOK. You know, Yamasaki's office or firm lasted during his lifetime. And when he passed away, I think that was the end of the Yamasaki office. Helmut did not want that. He wanted a firm that would live out and grow beyond the founders. In season one, discover the untold stories behind HOK's meteoric rise, from 150 employees in St. Louis to a powerhouse with over 1,900 staff members and 27 offices worldwide. You know, they weren't as polite as the Kojima people. That was just boom. And anytime you have a creditor, whether it's Kojima or the bank, that wants their money, unless you can raise money someplace else, you are out of business. Bankrupt. Bankrupt. And hold on tight for season two, where Patrick takes us on a new adventure as chairman of Building Smart International, shaping the future of digital transformation in the design, construction, and operation of built assets. Ian Howell, Ken Harold, and I, Ken was my technical representative from HOK. The three of us took a tour of Europe of five cities in five days. Very busy time. Simply follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Build Smart Now and uncover lessons that will transform you and your architecture firm. My name is Mark R. LePage, and you are listening to Entree Architect Podcast, where each and every week I speak with inspiring, passionate people who share their knowledge and expertise, all to help you build a better business as a small firm entrepreneur architect. This is episode 336, how to integrate thought leadership into your architecture business growth strategies with the founder of Build Yourself, Maya Sharfi. This episode of Entree Architect Podcast is supported by our platform sponsors. RCAT, the online resource delivering quality building material information, CAD details, BIM specifications, and so much more, all for free. Gusto, easy online payroll benefits, and HR built for modern small businesses like ours. And Monograph, the time tracking and project management tool built for architects by architects. Maya Sharfi, welcome back to Entree Architect Podcast. I'm so jazzed to be here. Yeah, this is going to be fun. You've been here before. You're an old, an old uh, expert, an old pro here at Entree Architect Podcast. You've, you were here back in episode 148, talking about proactive practices, public interest design firms, how you can build a business from where you create social impact and have a, an impact in the world. That was something that you were doing really big at the time. You've, you're doing other things now. We're going to talk about that today. You were again here in episode 278, how to, how to start a uh, public interest design firm with Galad Maron. Uh, he was here, he was your partner with Proactive part, uh, Practices um, and, uh, and talked all about that. And so those are two great 
uh, episodes about putting together a public interest design firm. If you're interested in that, you should go back to episode 148 and then also 278 to talk you know, sort of an intro about what it is and how it works and then how do you actually start a public interest design firm. Really great episodes. Today, Maya Sharfi is a creative agent of change. She found uh, founded Build Yourself to help women in creative fields move past obstacles in their careers to make their industries and workplaces better places for women's talent. Uh, Maya is skilled at helping women see beyond limiting mindsets to achieve more than they thought was possible. Maya is a trained facilitator who runs a research effort on women in social impact design for the Harvard Business School, um, and she's a founding member of the Equity Roundtable at the Boston uh, Boston of the Boston Society of Architects. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's missing. I'm like Boston of Architects, Boston Society of Architects, uh, and uh, one of Impact Design's hub, what one of Impact Design Hub's social impact design 40 under 40. And I will tell you that uh, Maya is a um, a she is a an agent for change. She is passionate about what she does. She is passionate about uh, building a better world through education and through knowledge, uh, specifically around the world of business and, and bu building uh, the building industry uh, and helping women uh, grow and move further faster. So um, my, I'm super excited to have you back here at Entree Architect Podcast. Um, before we get into our conversation today, we wanna to talk about thought leadership. That's what we're going to talk about today. Um, but I want you to remind everybody of your background, of your origin story. So go back to where you discovered architecture and the world that um, you were passionate about and share your story from that point to where you find yourself today. Yeah, so um, I am a funny blend of two things. I just learned the word multi-hyphenate. So if you've got more than one hyphen in what you do, but <laughs> basically I have two trainings. So I was trained as a women's empowerment facilitator, and then I got my degree in landscape architecture. So I've got a, I've got a master's in landscape architecture from the GSD. And I think we originally met, I originally got into the entre architect world right when I was starting my first practice, which was a design consultancy. I worked with organizations in affordable housing, public realm, um, organizations like, um, I actually worked with Friends of the Highline when they were creating a new uh, vision for a network rather rather than just an organization. Um, and I started this research. And in the meantime, because it was kind of like a season of pitching in my life, I had started this little boot camp thing, this like six week, it's almost like a finishing school for women in design on the skills of uh, advocating for yourself, dealing with the inner critic, negotiating. And, it, you know, we called it Build Yourself. And it was actually originally pitched it um, to the dean of students at Harvard. Then I started teaching it at the Boston Society of Architects. And um, fast forward a couple years later, I now Build Yourself is the only company that I run. Um, we put our research out there in the world, got it out, like still hear about it, influencing people in their business model decisions. But now what I do is I do both career and business coaching for women who are trying to get more out of their career, um, who want to bake their personal impact into their career and who also need help dealing with some of the things that affect women in who are running businesses or even in the workplace, like, um, you know, bias that we face from other people, sometimes internalized bias. You've probably heard of the study around how women are more likely than men to say, oh, 
job description, four out of five qualifications. Okay, I'm not qualified. I won't apply. Whereas men are more likely than women to say, and this comes from a study, Cheryl Sandberg and Lenian uh, references it, and I, I just like my jaw dropped, but you know, men are more likely than women to be like, oh, three out of five. I got this. Yeah, I'm, I'm a in. Great candidate. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So part of what I do now is I use the design process to help people envision more ambitious futures for their careers or businesses. And um, and I do that specifically for women because my goal is to is to close the influence gap. Right. There's a pay gap, but there's also an influence gap. And I think a lot of us like definitely want to be making more money, definitely want to have more financially sustainable businesses. I think actually financially sustainable is how, like that's how you keep a practice running, right? Like that profit isn't money and profit, that's just sustainability. But a lot of us also have other goals, you know, how we wanna grow creatively, what impact we wanna make. So my process is really about baking those things into a hybrid strategy. Yeah, and it's not just focused on the design world, right? It's it's any woman who wants to move forward in, in the world. Well, my specialty is women in design, tech and innovation. And I would say because I, you know, I'm so grounded in the urbanism world that a majority of my clients Mm -hmm. are architects, landscape architects, um, uh, actually a lot of community developers, mission based community developers. So one of the things that's really cool because I love to do community based learning is that we end up having this wing woman effect where, you know, one woman gets a photographer a job in her department, uh, you know, a contract job. And then, uh, you know, this person hires this person and these people collaborate and these people become business wing women of each other. And so it's kind of about building an old girls network. Um, you do, you, we all need networks with people of all genders, but sometimes it's also very beneficial to have other women in your network who have faced the same like fears or imposter syndrome that you faced and who can open doors for you. Yeah. Yeah. Super powerful. And so, uh, I, I, can you, can you talk more about that? Can you, cause when last time you were here, we were talking about, um, uh, proactive practices. We d- I think we talked about you and I connect all the time. And so I'm not sure whether we talked about it on the internet. I mean, uh, uh, you know, just talking on our own time or whether we talked about it on the podcast, but can you talk a little bit more about, um, the wing woman concept and, and how, because I think that's, that's just that's not just woman focused that's no that's that's a rule for how you can become more successful in life for anybody yeah so i have to say before i even explain at all i have to say mark is one of my earliest wingmen i connected to him with him pretty early you know before yeah. i had even like built yourself as a side project right and i just Honestly, the truth is that we were doing podcasts we were for this research to get it out there in the world. And I was listening to a lot of podcasts. There were a couple on like business architecture, this, that. And a lot of them felt like, and it, you know, it, it's hard to kind of even describe, like put your finger on what I'm talking about, but it felt like it was men talking to men about business. Like there was this assumption. Sometimes you can just tell what people are assuming in the way that they speak, right. the words yep. they use. And I, Mark was not like that. And I was like, okay, this guy's doing something right. And, uh, I, you know, and he's also very generous. Um, like what can happen sometimes with women who, when they're networking is they're really, really good at the giving side of the equation, but they struggle to make asks for the things they want, which is a big thing we work on. But Mark, I, I like to have wing personships where we are mutually generous, where we give first and, 
you know, if I connect with someone who's just doesn't roll that way, then like, okay, they roll off my list, but Mark, I just like, and I think you can see it in the way that he's built Entre Architect. Like that's your philosophy in life and in business. So yeah. So, okay. So you're definitely one of my, my early, early wing people. So <laughs> yeah, I, I, you could thank my mom for that. First of all, for everything you just said, <laughs> thank you, mom. Cause that's, that's, I am who I am because mom raised me that way. Um, and you know, that all people are equal, you know, it doesn't matter who you are or what you do. Um, and you treat everybody with full respect. Um, and I just, always work that way. And I think, I think you build a better world that way. You know, everybody who listens to this podcast hears me say it at the end of every episode, love, learn, share. And that's, you know, that doesn't discriminate. You love everybody and you care for everybody and you learn as much as you can and you share as much as you can for everybody because that's how the world gets better and, and, and grows. Um, and I'm super proud of you and what you've done with Build Yourself. Um, because I have seen it grow from a simple design, you know, simple idea, a concept, uh, into your platform and, and serving hundreds of, of women all across the world. Um, and so I'm very proud of what you've done. And, and through that success, um, you've found yourself a thought leader. And I think many times when people hear that term thought leader, it almost sounds a little disingenuous. It almost sounds a little... Um, uh, self-serving that I'm a thought leader. I'm, you know, I'm an expert and I'm going to stand up there. I'm going to tell the world how it all is. Um, but that's not necessarily what you're talking about. It, it's, mm -hmm. it's the result of working and giving and sharing that you, someone else decides that you are a thought leader. Um, and that's what I want to talk about today. So I want to talk about how, what you've done with build yourself has, um, has positioned you in a place to improve the lives of other people through the words you 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 speak, through the words you write. Um, so, can you talk about that a little bit about the power yeah. of being a thought leader? Yeah. So, I yeah, what I'd love to actually do is um, talk about why I think thought leadership is one of the most strategic things that a business owner can be doing and how, yeah, to kind of break down that perception that thought leadership is ego driven or, yeah. you know, all about you, um, because it actually doesn't have to feel that way. And one of the reasons why thought leadership is so important for business owners is not just that it drives your business, but it also fills up the parts of you that aren't always filled up when you're building a business. So, you know, all of us, many, there's different reasons why everybody founded businesses, right? Some of us wanted more flexibility. Others of us were like, I don't want to do the work I don't want to do. I want to do the work I do want to do. And if I'm in charge, I'll get to do, like, I'll get to do that. Or I see an opportunity in the market, right? There's all kinds of reasons why we go into this work, but certainly if you are an architect, create creative growth and learning is one of those things, right? It's it, And what can happen sometimes in the early years of your practice, and if you're not careful, you'll get stuck in this phase and it will always feel like the early years of your practice is that you are getting work, doing work, getting work, doing work. And oftentimes you're forgetting when you've got, you know, a full client load that you actually need to pull yourself out of just getting it done and, you know, all the deadlines and go out and, build your pipeline because otherwise you're going to find yourself six months, a year later, and you won't have anything in your pipeline. And so, um, you know, thought leadership in a way is a form of marketing, but it's a form of marketing that's actually based on who you are, your perspective, your ideas, rather than just, Hey, 
like you should work with me because you know I'm an architect and like here's my pretty pretty thing and so thought, a thought leadership initiative is actually a way that you can bake in not just marketing but being able to grow creatively through through not just the work you do but how you think about the work and reflect on the work so I'll give an example from one of my clients who's a small landscape architecture firm owner. Um, she had been, you know, work, working in her firm for I think about 10 years and hadn't been very proactive about going and getting clients, right? Just kind of took what came to her. And so we we worked together. And one of the things we did is we identified a thought leadership strategy for her. We looked at the clients who she loved working with, the kind of deeper uh, perspectives around impermanence and imperfection that, and kind of coming to terms with that, that you can get in a landscape architecture project because there's systems, there's growth, nothing is ever 100%, you know, like they say about a landscape project, it looks, an architecture project looks bet the best on the day that it's, it's finished and a landscape project looks the best like 30 years later. <laughs> right. right. So so we bake that into uh, basically a TED talk. And then, you know, she was like, I, you know, TED talk, like, you know, I'm not speaking at TED, but I wanted her to have a kind of clear asset that, that she could then go and shop around. And so she started mentioning it to clients and to, um, and to architects. She started to be proactive about which architects she actually really admired, who would I like to work with and form relationships with. And one of her clients said, oh, you know, I'd love to host you. Why don't I Why don't I do an event at the garden that you designed for me? We'll invite people. You can give your talk. We'll make a night out of it. And so she did. And, you know, of course, she was feeling imposter syndrome, you know, yeah. insecurity. Anytime we do something that we've never done before, right, put ourselves out there, there's risk involved. But, you know, she said, um, you know, her husband said to her, you know, what? kind of example do you want to set for our daughter right if if i do something and it fails well okay i mourn and then i pick myself up and i get back on the horse or i'm too scared to do this right so she decided to do it and you know i asked did this change anything for your practice and she first of all she said every first of all i proved to myself i could do it but second of all we actually started to get different leads on the outside on the other side of it because you know we were getting bigger budgets, more complex projects. I think what happened is that my clients and even these architects started to see me as just a landscape architect or, you know, someone who had like a nice design aesthetic to someone who really had a perspective and a, and, you know, had like an expert and a thought partner. And so it changed how others perceived of her and led to a totally different kind of work, like that next level for her of work. But then it also changed how she thought of herself, which, influences how we put ourselves out there right it's a big cycle right it, it once you do it then there's benefits from it and from those benefits you want to do more of it and it just keeps going around and around and around you you talked about imposter syndrome and that's one of my notes that, that i've written here while I, while i was listening to what you were saying i think there are many architects who are listening who have expertise that have some knowledge that others may not have um, or even just basic knowledge that you can present in, a, in an authoritative way. Um, but we don't think that we're worthy, that we don't, we don't have the, the, the platform to speak from. We don't have a podium to speak from. We have mm -hmm. lots of fear, right? There's, you know, it's easier to not do it than to do it. Um, and, you know, that imposter syndrome, who am I to speak on this as an authority? You know, uh, I, those are the things that sort of get in the way of of 
taking the step to create that talk and having enough courage to stand up and start speaking in front of a group right. of people. Right, right. Or even to, to, I mean, I think the big moment, of course, there was a big moment of fear for her when she was about to do it, but the big moment was even starting to shop it out there, right? Because you're almost saying for the first time, I kind of see myself this way, even though I don't see myself this way, but I kind of want you to see me this way. And, but I don't, it's not real yet because I haven't stepped into that future. So I'm confidently proposing yet. I don't fully feel it yet. So my, my perspective on this, by the way, on, on kind of expertise from a mindset perspective is that we don't recognize the expertise that we have because you know, we've been living with it for years. We've got that degree. We've got the the years of experience knowing where the project always goes wrong. We understand, you know, how waterproofing goes wrong, right? We, we know all of these things and we don't realize that they're not common knowledge. So one, it happens to me all the time because I have, I would say my expertise is understanding limiting beliefs that hold us back and translating them into action. And one of the things I also do well is I can, see other people's interests and find the stories. So I can say, you know, for her, for example, or, you know, for another client who's working on, who's really, really interested in how we age in our homes and how do we think about that in terms of family structure and then how you turn that into a client facing initiative. I'm like, that's the story. Oh, and if you did this, you could do that and you could partner with these people and you could present it this way, which I'm sure they've never heard it before. And sometimes my clients will just be like, whoa, (laughs) And I'm like, what? And they're like, how'd you do that? And I was like, oh, I don't know. I just thought of it. And it's like, (laughs) it's like for me, I think like a creative strategist. And sometimes I forget that not everybody thinks that way, even though it's like, I'm doing it for my niece's birthday party and I'm doing it for your, like, I'm like, it's easy, you know? And, but just because it's easy doesn't mean I'm not an expert in it. Yeah. And, and you've heard the term curse of knowledge that we have so much knowledge and it's so routine and so much of who we are that we forget that we have this knowledge that others would like to hear about and, and learn from. Um, and that that knowledge that you have gives you the authority and the ability to create this, uh, this process of communicating that knowledge to other people. Um, yeah. And that's what mm-hmm. brings you to the point of a thought leader that, that because you have this expertise and you've, you've set an initiative to uh, to de- develop and design a way to communicate that knowledge. It could be a talk, right? It could be speaking. It could be writing. It could be a video. It could be a podcast. Um, mm-hmm. It could be anything. It could be th- whatever you're, you're good at, whatever you feel comfortable at um, in communicating that knowledge. Uh, that's what you should do. We will return to our conversation after this quick break to say thank you to our platform sponsors here at Entree Architect, Arcat, Gusto, and Monograph. Unless you're working for one of the top architecture firms in the world, you know what it's like to work with limited resources. But there's one resource that you can access no matter what size your architecture firm, Arcat.com. Arcat is the online solution for your building product information needs. They offer BIM objects, CAD details, specifications, and much, much more from leading manufacturers from all over the world. Research building products and get the information you need all in the same place, fast and easy. And best of all, it's free. RCAT doesn't charge you anything for these resources. You don't even need to register 
or give them your email. And when I say it's free, there's no catch. Visit rcat.com and try it out. Search for the resources that you need and rcat will deliver. That's rcat.com. That's A-R-C-A-T.com. rcat.com. Build better. Taking care of your employees has never been more important than now. For years, Gusto's been helping more than 100,000 small business owners run payroll, offer benefits, onboard new employees, and more. They call it the people platform. And it doesn't just look nice, and it does look nice. It also works. Your payroll taxes are filed, deductions are calculated, and your team gets paid. You can even offer health insurance and 401ks as you grow. As a listener of the Entree Architect podcast, you will get three months free after your first payroll when you go to entrearchitect.com slash gusto. That's entrearchitect.com slash gusto. And make sure that you let them know that you're a member of the Entree Architect community. Gusto, the people platform. Visit entrearchitect.com slash gusto today. Are you tired of spreadsheets? Of using spreadsheets to keep track of your project plans, your budgets, your staff, your time? Spreadsheets. Our friends at Monograph know what that's like because they're architects too. They know all about that spreadsheet mess that you're dealing with. So they did something about it. Monograph is a time tracking and project management tool built for architects by architects to respond to the challenges that small and medium sized firms face on their quest to a profitable business. With Monograph's integrated suites of tools, you'll stay on track and on budget without the overhead of wrangling spreadsheets every day. Improve your firm's operations today. Try Monograph for free at entrearchitect.com slash monograph. Ditch the spreadsheets. Visit entrearchitect.com slash monograph and try Monograph today for free. Arcat, Gusto, and Monograph. Please visit our platform sponsors today and thank them for supporting you, the Entree Architect community. Maya, is there is there a benefit to presenting this knowledge one way or another? No. So I think that there's actually a couple of tactics that are that are out there. And there's a couple of ways that when I work with clients, we think about what tactic to choose. So I categorize them this way. So there's speaking, there's writing. Um, I actually hadn't really thought about video in the, in, in the same way, which is weird because my thought leadership platform is video coaching sound bites, <laughs> but it kind of like video blogging almost, or kind of video, um, mini content, um, social media, which in a way is not necessarily a tactic. It's a vehicle, but for some people just writing a few thoughts, social media, wise is totally fine, right? You can think of it as almost like mini writing or, um, or if you're doing Instagram, right? Photography. Um, well, I mean, just be, let's stay on that, that for a minute because social media can be used both ways. It can be used as a tool to drive traffic to the platform in which you're, you're choosing to communicate from, or you can choose a specific platform within social media to make that your platform. You can be an expert and a thought leader on Twitter in you know yeah. in in little sound bites over and over and over again you can do it through a facebook page you can do it on linkedin you can do it on instagram um the benefit of having your own platform is that you can control that platform and then use social right. media to drive to it but but you can do both if you didn't want right. to build out a platform you could do it on social media right and one of the things i like about social media is 
I am interested in people achieving small wins. Um, I think to that, you know, this question of how do you get the mindset that I am an expert, the only, there's no real shortcuts. There's mindset, you know, things that you can do and mantras and all of that stuff. But the only real shortcut is you take off a tiny, tiny bite and you try it and then you see how it feels and then you learn from it and you do it again and you celebrate the fact that you showed up. So one of my favorite assignments that I give to women um, when they're thinking about social media and and um, and visibility, and I require visibility, it's the one um, assignment that I give all of my next level coaching clients, no matter what. It's like you got to have a visibility assignment. So, I one of my assignments is to pick someone who they admire, who's an expert, to stalk them on social media for three weeks. So what it looks like is you've got a calendar, you write, you basically save their post, and you say, okay, what they do here. Oh, they complimented another project they like. Oh, they presented their own work. Oh, they posed this question that shows their expertise. Oh, they shared something about their personal life that reflects their values. And then you literally take those three weeks and you reverse engineer. So it's almost like Mad Libs. It's like if Mark is posting about how, you know, I need to go get billings for my clients, what's the Maya version of that? Oh, you need to go get visible in front of the people who you care about. Okay, that's the Maya version, right? And so you're borrowing someone else's structure so that you don't feel like you're starting from a blank page. I, at every stage in my business and at every stage in my clients' work, I always try to avoid a blank page, always start from something, right? Um, and so, yeah, you do that through for three weeks and then you just say, okay, what did I learn from it? And you celebrate the fact that you did it, not, you don't celebrate the likes because those are not really relevant right now. The most important thing is that you're showing up. One of my uh, past clients is starting a passion project. And so she decided to post on Instagram for 30 days about this passion project that one day might turn into a community venture and a business. And um, if you look at her, her feed, the first few rows are kind of like dark lighting. They're like less appealing. They're still really interesting. But then all of a sudden her feed starts to kind of shift as she got to hang a little bit more on photography. And you see, you see the way that she's learning from the process and taking a small bite, right? A month, a week, like even one time really isn't enough because you kind of need to learn through repetition and then say, you can even do what I call um, creating a date to doubt. So you put on your calendar, worry about how awkward I look online starting now. And like you stick that on your calendar three, (laughs) three weeks from now or worry that I'm not an expert. And then you just show up to execute. And then you step back, you celebrate that you showed up and then you say, okay, what did I learn from this? Um, do I want to continue this? What are the three strategies that were most effective? What are three things I'd like to do differently? Sometimes you even find, oh, my ideal client is not on Instagram. They're on LinkedIn or they're not on, you know, Twitter is not where they're at. And that's okay because you might try that as your experiment next time. But the most important thing is getting that action under your belt. And if you don't do that, then we're just having a hypothetical conversation. Yeah. Small victories are so key to progress in anything that you're doing. If anybody ever asks me, how do I get this done? How do I achieve this goal? Break it down into the smallest little bits that you can do and then commit to achieving those small victories and make it so easy that you can't not do it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I wanted to share that, you know, the, the three tactics that we talked about are not the only ones, you know, one of the goals is to find something that feels joyful for you that kind of triggers your creative 
button, right? That kind of helps you feel like it's not just something you have to cross off your list. It's something that you enjoy. So some of my clients, well, we do something I call dinner party strategies, which is uh, it's really about convening people. So one client developed a working group around a specific topic that she wants to be known for. And she invited other people from uh, allied industries. And now they're planning their first event. They're going to do a panel or a workshop. And so it's a very different kind of relationship or investment. But if you're someone who doesn't just like to broadcast, there are ways that you can be doing thought leadership through influence. Um, yeah. uh, when I first was um, running my design consultancy, there was this conference I wanted to go to um, on equity. And I said, hey, you know, I emailed a bunch of people who were people who would hire me, people who I would collaborate with, people I would work with. And I said, I'm going to the PolicyLink Equity Summit. I'm organizing a group of people to go together. We're going to be called Creative Changemakers for Equity. We'll do, you know, a series of conversations beforehand to get to know each other. Even if you can't make the summit, come to the camp conversations. And it was a really powerful way to make stronger relationships. Please invite someone to make stronger relationships with people who eventually ended up being you know, client referral sources, um, you know, collaborators, um, influencers, and yeah, it felt great. You know, it was super, super fun to get to know these people. And, you know, it was kind of behind closed doors. There was no broadcasting involved, but it was very strategic. And it was also, it was, yeah, it was a, it was a collaboration. You can, you know, inviting someone to something, in a form is a, is a thought leadership strategy. Yeah. Uh, 100%. I, I, for me, I do a, I do a lot of content, you know, I write, I do podcasts, but I really believe my strength, uh, as a thought leader. And I don't give myself that, that, that title at all. I think other people have, I definitely think that I am, uh, but I don't, I don't walk around and say, Hey, I'm a thought leader. And that's, you know, I'm doing it right now. I'm, <laughs> you're right. You just, yeah. You, yeah, I'm doing it right now. But, but the point is that I wanted to make is that I feel my biggest strength and the thing that I love most, the thing that makes me most passionate is being a connector. Mm -hmm. And I think that connector status, that's why the Entree Architect community, the Facebook group, um, and we just launched a new group called um, Architects and Allies that sort of takes what we've learned in the, in the architect-only Facebook group and, and built a new group for the entire profession, the entire industry of, of architecture and engineering and, and construction. The connections that I facilitate are the things that I think most people uh, recognize me for. Mm -hmm. That I mm -hmm. I bring this person and this person together, and when I do that, something explodes or there's some sort of synergy uh, yeah. between those two people, and those people go out and make the world a better place. And if I do that over and over and over again, I've made these little connections that have lots and lots of power over and over and over again. That's how I see my power. Um, yeah. And it's not the content. The content is sort of helping me bring this community together that allows me to make those connections. Yeah. Well, so I think one-on-one -on -one networking is absolutely a thought leadership strategy because thought leadership is really about visibility for the things that you want to be known for. That's what it is at the core. So I have a, I've got a habit of inviting a business owner who I admire to a virtual coffee date once, uh, this was even before COVID, once a month. You know, not everyone says yes. They've turned into great collaborations. Sometimes people send me clients. I mean, it's, it's, 
you know, and it's a slow burn strategy, but it's a great strategy. And, you know, even actually just this morning, I um, recommended a client or student of yours to a podcast that I was on because I think she has an incredible story. And I, I, you know, staying top of mind is really what it's all about. I would say that the one thing that women in particular have to be careful about when they're using networking as a visibility strategy is women are very, very good at the give side of the equation. Oh, here's an introduction. Oh, here's my draft contract. You should check this out. Oh, I solved this problem a while back. Here's what we did. They really, really struggle sometimes to get to the ask part because women are socialized to be nurturers. They're socialized to solve other people's problems. They're socialized not to ask or advocate for the things they want and need. So a lot of my clients hit a point where they're informational interviewing if they're job searching or their strategic business networking might kind of stall out and nothing's coming from it. And the first question I ask is, did you ask for something? Did you say, you know, are there one or two people that you think might be looking for this um, who I should chat with, right? Um, And sometimes you can't always do that on the first call because the first call might be about establishing no like and trust. I feel like I establish it fairly quickly because I, I, um, I guess I like wear my heart on my sleeve. So it, but if you're less like that, then it's okay. And, you know, maybe over time you get to know this person, uh, Michael Port, uh, Porter, Port, God, I'm, he wrote the book, book yourself solid. And he says that people always mess up his last name and Michael Port. Okay. Got it. So right. Michael Port. he, yes, he, um, he says that relationships are built and trust is built by asking for commitments and then delivering on your commitments at an increasingly high level of, of committedness. So it's kind of like, you know, buying a house, right? You get first, you go to the tour, then you put in the bid, then at each stage, there's more stake in the game. So if you're a slower burn person or an introvert, a lot of my clients are introverts. It's totally okay to kind of build up to it. But if you're never making the ask, if you're never asking for something, then you are, you're not going to end up forwarding your own agendas through these relationships and people want to help you. So they sometimes just need you to tell them how. Yeah, I can relate to that very much. So that I have that same issue, um, that I am a giver. I love to give, I love to make connections and I, and I have a difficult time asking for help. Um, and I, it, it, it absolutely has held me back in both my architecture firm and with Entree Architect. I think that if I wasn't like that, uh, and I did ask more often uh, and more strategically, I think I would be much further along and the platform would be a much bigger place. Well, one of the things I try to do is always say, hey, what can I do to support you? And sometimes people aren't organized enough, right? Like they don't know. So I'll leave a pause because sometimes it's, or I might say, is there one or two things I can do to support you? For whatever reason, when you say one or two things, it focuses people's minds a little bit more because they have to come up with one and two. I, I think of it as like the BuzzFeed, the BuzzFeed factor, right? Like, you know, eight ways to tell your grandma you love her. Five reasons why you <laughs> might, you yeah. might be with the wrong partner, right? Whatever. So, so, um, and then if they don't know, I might say, well, it sounds like you're launching this new service. Um, are you looking for introductions? I might know one or two people, or do you want me to put up, like we could do a post, I'll put a blast. And so, and what can happen sometimes, and again, pitfall for women, you might end up in relationships with people who just don't give or give well. And if you've, if you've given and they have, um, taken and never given and never offered, then 
they were an experiment you tried, right? It's like, it's like having a client that never, a lead that never turned into a client. And at some point you roll them off your prospects list. Like I've had business wing women who I was very, I was like, showed them the ropes, you know, opened doors for them, gave them job leads that weren't right for me, never any reciprocation. And I spent a little bit of time kind of being annoyed. And then I was like, nope, actually, it's just that I put some energy there and now I'm going to take that energy and put it somewhere else in someone else and, you know, get to emotionally Zen about it. Um, and yeah, but I think it's really, really helpful to, um, you know, be asking in these conversations, how can I support you? And invariably, unless someone is a little bit obtuse and they are out there, it's okay. They'll be like, Oh, what can I do to support you? Right. Sometimes they don't know. right? Right. Sometimes they don't know that they should give. Right. And so you need to ask. Um, I, I love the idea of thought leadership as a strategy because I think that very often thought leadership sort of evolves and, and you become a thought leader through the things you do. But what you're talking about is strategic. This is something that you are taking the knowledge that you have, the expertise that you already uh, possess, and creating a strategy to use it to grow your, your business or have more influence and make the world a better place. Is there a specific step-by-step process, like a checklist that we should be using? I know we're getting close to the end of our, our time together, but but sh- I'd like to sort of give them like, do this, do this, do this, do this, do this. Do we have yeah. like four or five steps that we can yeah. share before we wrap up? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So the first step is to think about it. It's kind of like the design process where you're kind of thinking about circulation and also about materials at, at the same time, right? That first kind of strategy part. But the things that you want to think through are how do I like to show up in the world, right? Um, what do I like to do? How do I maybe not yet like to show up in the world because I'm scared, but maybe I might like to show up in the world that way? Um, who am I trying to get in front of and what like what would the action that they would have to do be to show that I was successful? So for example, I would like more clients or I would like a higher, I would like to move into doing this kind of service instead of that one. Okay. Well, if I want to move into this kind of service, then it's not just residential. It might be, um, I actually need small business owners to like to book consults with me. Okay. So then what do they need to hear in order to do that? What do they need to know about me? So you might say, actually, I'll use a real example from one of my clients. Um, you know, of a client who is very, very interested in, um, in, uh, let me think about which one to use. Okay. Actually, I'll, I'll use a, 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 this example. She's very, very driven by mindfulness and spirituality. And so the right potential client for her is someone who shares that value, right? So, okay. Who are the potential homeowners, renovation seekers who share that value? Where are they hanging out? How do they want to be, how do, how do they find what they need? What are they consuming? And then how does that align with how I like to show up? Right. And so then, um, the, you kind of bake that into a thought leadership strategy. So, okay, I'm going to do video coaching sound bites, uh, or video sound bites, or I'm going to do Instagrams, but it's not just going to be an image of something. It's going to be, you know, a question of how do you think about your home this way as a sanctuary rather than I can design a great home for you. Um, one, this is a little bit of a side note, but I think it, it might be a light bulb moment for your listeners. I once heard a financial coach say, People don't have financial goals. They have life goals with financial implications. Right. So 
what are the goals that they have, and then what are the spatial implications rather than just leading with the space. So you turn it into, okay, it's gonna be a talk. And then this is, in my opinion, the most important part. You create a set it and forget it habit. So I don't love to project manage. I love to be creative, right? Like I love making the coaching sound bite, but I don't really love like, okay, and then I'm gonna do it on Tuesdays and da 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 da. So I create a set it and forget it habit, which is once a week I have to record two coaching sound bites. And there may be people who are listening to you who are thinking, I don't have the time for thought leadership. Like, I don't, you know, I'm just like, yeah, I get this point about working on not in my business, but the truth is that a thought leadership habit can take you like 20 minutes a week if you sit down and you write out your your social media and you schedule it. And if you say that you don't have time, what you're really saying is I want to be stuck in the business forever and not on the business. And, you know, that's a choice you get to make. But like ultimately it's your choice. So I am a huge believer in set it and forget it thought leadership habits to like it's almost like a gateway drug to start working on your business and not in it. And the benefit is that it might bring creativity back into your life if you feel like if it's, it's been missing. So, so yeah, come up with a strategy. Don't even over, don't even overthink it that much. You're like, well, they're probably showing up on Instagram. So let me do a series of posts that do this. I'm going to do it for a month. I'm going to post three posts a week and then sit down and put on your calendar when it's going to happen so that it's a set it and forget it habit. And then, yeah, I, that, that's, that's kind of what it what it's all about. Right. That's the seed that will then blossom into thought leadership. That if you if you show up consistently over and over and over and over again, there'll be results from that. And if you yeah. do it long enough and you and you will get better, like like you had talked about earlier, how those the Instagram uh, feed was sort of dark and dingy at the bottom and then it got brighter and more vibrant and more successful and more professional. It's that's just from doing it over and over again. Go back to episode five of the Entree Architect podcast and listen to that and compare it to my voice today and you'll see what 320 something episodes will do of repetition. Mm -hmm. um, it's just, you get better at it by doing it over and over and over again. Um, this is super interesting and super inspiring, uh, Maya. I think this yeah. is this is something that I, I think so many of our listeners know that they have that inside of them and never really thought, well, maybe I can take that expertise and that knowledge and just leverage that, right? And and right. create this this position, this authority that you have built in as an expert and as a professional to, to not, not only will you get more business from it, you will become a better person. You, you'll like yourself better. You'll have more more confidence and more authority and have and and become a better person. And so uh, I encourage you to to give this a try uh, and, uh, and and take some of these initial small steps. Yeah. And one thing I want to say is that people often get stuck on the, I need to come up with it. Right. We're like, I don't know what I would do. So you put it off. So I, and so I actually have a tool that can help you do that. So Great. it's, yeah. it's, it's a creative content development cheat sheet and it's a one page. It's like, I think it's got like three questions and it will help you do the brain dump of the things and help you layer in the different pieces of what you want to prioritize. How do I like to show up? What do people need? What am I interested in? And it will give you one, maybe even multiple ideas uh, for your creative content that you want to test out. You know, my recommendation would be 
make it a month long thing, just like a mini experiment. And then that set it and forget it piece, it's actually not as hard as you think once you've gotten past the strategy part of it. So um, like, should I? Yeah. How, I do, you, how the, do you find that tool? Because I think that's yeah. exactly what people are thinking right now. Yeah. I wish I had this <laughs> thing that will show me how to do this. Well, here it is. Yeah. So if you go to buildyourselfworkshop.com backslash creative e architect, you can access it. Creative e architect. Okay. We are going to include that link in the show notes as well. Build yourself workshop is the website. Build yourself workshop uh, slash or build yourself dot com slash creative e architect. Uh, that will get you the the tool. Um, this lady's name is Maya Sharfi, and her platform is Build Yourself. Uh, you should go visit buildyourselfworkshop.com and learn all about it. Uh, go grab this tool because this will definitely help you, whether you're a woman or a man or somewhere in between. Go grab it, and, uh, and g- <laughs> that's okay. Maya's still with us. I, I literally <laughs> dropped the mic. <laughs> <laughs> she did a mic drop on the Entree Architect <laughs> podcast. We're done. I love it. Yeah. So, so uh, buildyourselfworkshop.com. Maya, thank you. This is, it's always a pleasure hanging out with you and talking. You're always inspiring me, uh, always motivating me, always helping me think beyond myself. So thank you, Maya, for this conversation and all you do and your thought leadership in the profession and in the world. Thanks for being here at uh, Entree Architect Podcast. Yeah, thank you. Oh, I hope you like that one. Are you motivated? Are you inspired? I love talking with Maya. She always pushes me. She always pushes me to think beyond, into the future. But at the same time, she's always forcing me to focus on what's most important to me and and my businesses and my community right now. So she makes me think big picture and then she makes me focus on what happens, what needs to be done right now. So motivating, Maya. Thank you very much. Go grab Maya's tool right now, free tool at buildyourselfworkshop.com slash creative E architect, E for entree architect, but it's buildyourselfworkshop.com slash creative E architect. Go check out the free tool right now. And while you're online, go share this episode with a friend. This is episode 336. So it's entrearchitect.com slash episode 336. And don't forget to check out all the resources at entrearchitect.com while you're there. Join us for our monthly business training for 30 days for free at entrearchitect.com slash join. So that's monthly business training for free for 30 days, entrearchitect.com slash join to join the membership. Join our powerful Entree Architect Mastermind professional peer groups at entrearchitect.com slash mastermind. Those are weekly mastermind meetings, entrearchitect.com slash mastermind. And you can join in on all the fun, all the activity, all the engagement over at the Entree Architect Facebook group. It's free. The Entree Architect community at entrearchitect.com slash group. You can request membership over there if you're an architect or an architecture student entrearchitect.com slash group. We have everything you need to help build a better business at your small firm. This podcast is a proud member of the Gable Media Network. Subscribe to this and all the Gable Media podcasts at gablemedia.com. 
That's G-A-B-L-Media.com. If you have not gone over to GableMedia.com, do that right now after you sign up for all the Entree Architect uh, offerings so you can build a better business. Then you can go check out all the podcasts over at GableMedia.com because they will become your new playlist. That's it. We have some super interesting shows over there. In addition to Entree Architect, you have Build Your Brand, a podcast. You have Spaces podcast, Arcaspeak podcast, Practice Disrupted podcast, and Troxel. We have new episodes every week and new shows in development with people you may know that are not yet launched, but they're coming. So add GableMedia.com to your favorites and go visit that website often. Go take a look right now and subscribe to all the shows at GableMedia.com. That's G-A-B-L Media.com. My friends, be well, be healthy, happy, safe, and secure. Love, learn, share what you know. That's a long list. Thanks for listening. Have a great day. I've mentioned it to my family, but in terms of telling people like, oh yeah, we're doing this, I'm looking for projects. You got anything? Yeah. I'm, I'm not there yet because it scares the out of me. Dreaming of launching your own architecture firm? Well, well, buckle up for a wild ride with Emerging, the podcast that shares what it's really like to start an architecture firm. Where do we begin? We don't even know what type of business to formalize as. Is it an LLC? Is it an LLP? Like, how are taxes? I mean, the list is astronomical. Season one featured founders Jeffrey, Lexi, and Chris, owners of Level Studio Architecture, are your fearless guides on this unfiltered journey from napkin sketches to a thriving studio. One evening, stumbled into one last dive, we sat at the bar and pondered our postgraduate futures. Amidst the conversation, a napkin became the canvas for our aspirations, sketching plans and milestones, sealing our heartfelt commitment and shared dreams. In drawing down dreams on a napkin collectively, that <laughs> then, you know, in your head, you've rooted like, oh, I'm connected to these people, like long term. The process of starting an architecture practice brims with excitement and challenges, demanding meticulous planning, flawless execution, and unyielding resilience. I kind of hate the term because it's so overly used, but I think everybody knows imposter syndrome. And I think it's it's so real to this day. I, I, I don't know if it's with everybody, but with me, I'm always questioning like us, can we do this? Are we ready to do this? Are we prepared? Can we do it? Did we just decide a name? <laughs> we did it, guys. Oh my the one that God. came out of nowhere. Woo! It came out of nowhere. I liked it. I saw it. Ready to turn your aspirations into reality? Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Emerging and chart your own path to architectural success. Calling all small firm architects. It's time to tap into your full potential with Entree Architects Context and Clarity, where inspiration meets innovation. Hey, it's Mark Arlapage, founder of Entree Architect, and I'm inviting you to join my two favorite co-hosts, Jeff Eccles and Katie Kangas, as they bring together authors, experts, and thought leaders for electric conversations with entrepreneur architects around the globe. It's not just a podcast, it's a community where dreams meet action. 
there is a simple equation there. And what for me, what that did, just doing that basic calculation was, it allowed me to compare what I had actually saved in my retirement accounts to what I thought a possible projected annual spend might be. Artists are temperamental, so beautiful design is going to be a priority. When the job is done, we're going to actually need to live in the house, not live with the person who designed it. <laughs> and so for me, the, the artistic skill, the architectural skill is most important. And so I would say like that would be 60% of it, if not more. Gain insights to build a successful practice. Subscribe, engage, and let's redefine your future together. Join the Context and Clarity community, where every conversation adds to your blueprint for success.